somewhere within arm's reach of where you're sitting is a Bible, would you open up with me to page 878? And if you're watching at home, worshiping along with us this morning, pause this video right now, go grab your own Bible. Luke 19 is what you find on page 878. We're going to be right there, walking through this whole text together, verse by verse, over the next few minutes. And I've said when worship began that we're in this series, face-to-face, looking at the encounters that the people in the Gospels had with Jesus. And uh, I meet with Pastor Abel every Tuesday, and knowing that he was going to be out of the country at the end of this week, when I usually write my sermon on Fridays, I said to him, could we spend some time looking at the text I'm going to preach on this weekend? And he said, sure. And so we opened up our Bibles Luke chapter 19, he looked down at the text, and then he looked up at me, and he said, well, this is Zacchaeus. I said, yeah. He said, well, we know two things about Zacchaeus. Number one, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. (laughs) And number two, a wee little man was he. (laughs) And if you're laughing at that, It may be because you grew up in church and you remember the song that maybe you learned in Sunday school. You want to sing it with me? Let's do it. I mean, come on. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Can you do the actions? He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. All right, that's up. We're good. I think we're okay. Yeah. (laughs) You know... Maybe you heard that as a kid, maybe you didn't, but it's easy to hear that song, to read a text like this, and to think that this is a story for kids. Now, this is about Zacchaeus, it's almost like this cute little fairy tale, it's almost like uh, Robin Hood, as we heard in the kids' message, uh, reminds me of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Now, Scrooge is the greedy guy who turns into a grateful and a generous guy. Here we have Zacchaeus, this greedy tax collector who turns into a very generous person and something happens in his heart. What's the moral here of this cute little fairy tale? It must be that you need to do more. You need to climb a tree. You need to give more. And that's the moral of this story at the surface. I think... Perhaps you have a sense, too, that it's not quite that simple. I think in this text, there's something much deeper. Two things that we will see together. Number one, the longing of Zacchaeus. And number two, the love of Jesus. And along the way, we'll see how we experience each of these two things. First, the longing of Zacchaeus. And if you have your Bible, let's start in the first two verses of Luke chapter 19. And he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Let's pause right there. Luke is telling us so much in these two verses that Jesus is entering Jericho. 
And he's on the way from up north, the dominant uh, movement of Luke's gospel for 10 chapters all the way back to the end of chapter 9, all the way through chapter 19 is the story of Jesus as he's moving down to Jerusalem in the south. So if you look down further in chapter 19, you can see the triumphal entry there. That's he's already arrived at Jerusalem. If you go back to the above chapter 19, it says as he's drawing near to Jericho. If you go back above that top of the first column of page 878, chapter 18, verse 31, he predicts his death now for a third time. Here's the trajectory. Let me show you a picture. He's moving from the north. You can see this is from the south, looking north. It's kind of in 3D here. The Mediterranean seas on the left. The Jordan River's on the right, and Jericho is 800 feet below sea level. Jerusalem, 2,500 feet above sea level, a distance of about 20 miles. And as Jesus meets this crowd here, as a city turns to him, as Jesus enters Jerusalem in mere moments, it seems here, later in this chapter, the whole world will turn away from him and then to him. There's so much happening here in these two verses. He's on his way from the north through Jericho to get to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. We also meet not just Jesus, but Zacchaeus. We learn some very important details about his life in just a few words. We know he's a tax collector that it wasn't uncommon for tax collectors. We, we learn later that, uh, that Zacchaeus is a Jewish person. He's a son of Abraham. Jesus calls him in verse 9. But he's a stranger in his own land. He sold himself out to a foreign people. He works for the Roman government, not simply taking taxes from the people on their behalf, the Roman government's behalf, but charging rates two and three and four and five times. It wasn't uncommon if the people that he was charging couldn't pay, he would take their own possessions as collateral. He's like an ancient mob boss. And he's good at it. He's the chief tax collector. And he's wealthy. We learn later that the people can't believe that Jesus is coming over to his house. He's an outcast. He's an outsider in his own native land among his own people. Zacchaeus. Let's keep reading verses 3 and 4. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he, that is Jesus, was about to pass that way. Now, what does a sycamore tree look like? Remember, we kind of sing this song, read this story, sycamore tree looks like this. Uh, Our son, Adam, who's eight, any tree that he sees, he might as well think that he can climb it. I'm, you know, he's our oldest, so, you know, I'm still maybe trying to get over being a first-time parent. I'm always kind of a step ahead of him, trying to make sure that the next branch that he steps on is still going to support his weight, and you're realizing that he's big enough now that, well, even if he falls, I'm not going to be able to catch him. He's kind of on his own. That's a kid climbing a tree. 
what is a grown man doing in a tree? Something probably more than just his size has to do with this. For that matter, what is a rich, grown man doing climbing a tree? When was the last time you climbed a tree? Just literally, think back for a moment. Adults don't climb trees. Trees are for kids. Tricks are for kids. <laughs> Fairy tales are for kids. Stories about giants and wizards and dragons and kings and queens and living happily ever after, I mean, that's for kids. But, but we know better, right? Let's play a game. You want to do that with me? Uh, I know you don't have a choice, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, I'll take your silence to be a tacit uh, agreement. Uh, let's play a game, a word association game, and I will say the name of an author or a creator, uh, producer, something like that, and your job is to say the first thing that comes to your mind. So it might be a book, might be a movie. So if I say George Lucas, you say? Star Wars. Star Wars. All right. Uh, if I say J.K. Rowling, you say? Harry Potter. That's right. If I say Stan Lee, what do you say? Marvel. Marvel. That's right. If I say J.R.R. or George R.R. R. Martin, you say? Anybody? Game of Thrones. What if I say C.S. Lewis? Chronicles of Narnia. One more. What if I said J.R.R. Tolkien? Lord of the Rings. Maybe the Chronicles of Narnia. What do all of those stories, all of those movies have in common? What kind of story are they? They're fantasy. What else do they have in common? Every one of them that's a book has sold over 100 million copies. Every one of them that's a movie, the series has grossed over a billion dollars at the box office worldwide. In fact, uh, Amazon just bought the rights to the Lord of the Rings series to do a prequel and has spent $650 million on the first season. What does that tell you? That, that people like that, that maybe, maybe fairy tales aren't just for kids. That we have this sense, even as adults, that there is something beyond the four walls of this physical world. And we see it on screen and in story. But, but for that matter, we experience in everyday moments of our life in the present that when we have a good conversation with a dear friend over a cup of coffee, we have this sense that we were made to belong. And that's not simply an accident. That, that when we finish shoveling the driveway 
and the sense of satisfaction that we feel after we come home from work because we've done a good job and that job is now done, that we were made to work and that our work matters. And when we push ourselves back from the table after a good meal that fills our belly, when we wipe down the counter, when the dishes are done and the sink is clean, you know, we have this sense that we've enjoyed something good and that we've served our family and poured ourselves out for the people who matter to us. We have this sense in everyday moments of our life today that we were made for more. And that is not simply a fantasy, a, a myth, but that is a longing of every human heart. Here's the way C.S. Lewis describes that in mere Christianity. He says this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That even the best moments are echoes of something better than the best things here on earth. I think C.S. Lewis is right. Jesus says, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. You were made for another world. C.S. Lewis is right when he says this. And C.S. Lewis is wrong at the same time. Because you were made for this world. You weren't made simply to escape the brokenness of this physical world and to go on to a better spiritual reality in heaven. I mean, heaven will be a physical, recreated, redeemed earth someday when Jesus returns to restore this broken world. I mean, you were made for this world, and Jesus is coming back to restore this world in your work, in your vocations, even when it's hard, even when you pour yourself out and you sacrifice for the people who matter to you. That matters. You were made for this world. And the problem, I would argue, too, is not simply with this world. The problem is with the things that we desire. There's a story that the Bible tells us, a story that's as old as Adam, about tree climbing. That we've been under a spell, climbing trees and reaching for things that don't belong to us, things that are beyond our grasp, And we believe a myth in this chapter of the story. The spell tells us this lie that if we had the things that our hearts truly long for, then we'd have a happily ever after. Even the good things beyond our grasp. Like family and children and work and success and good health those are good things. But even when we hold on to them, when we can reach them, they slip through our fingers. And they can't support the weight of our longings, of the hope that we put in them. 
to fill us up so that we can have a happily ever after. The problem isn't just with this world. The story of the scriptures, the true story of the scriptures says that there's a spell. And the problem isn't simply the broken world. The problem is in us. It's our desires too. And what we need is a love deeper than our longings. Something not in this created world. What we need is our creator. And this is who Zacchaeus is seeking. That's what brings us back to our text. From the longing of Zacchaeus to the love of Jesus. So let's keep reading now. Let's continue in verses 5 and 6. And when Zacchaeus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, or when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Let's pause right there. Uh, If you were Zacchaeus, would this really be the first reaction that you had to Jesus inviting himself over to your house and the most important person in the world, if it were me, if you were like me, maybe you'd be wondering, I, I, kind of going through the rooms in your house, like, I wonder if my house is ready for company right now. <laughs> Zacchaeus receives him, and at that receives him joyfully. And when they, that is the crowd, saw it, verse 7, they all grumbled He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now the crowd and then Zacchaeus. Uh, Jesus knows what the crowds are thinking about him, and he's not surprised by their reaction. Uh, He knows that by entering the house of Zacchaeus, in the eyes of the people around him in the town that day, Jesus is becoming like Zacchaeus. Unwanted, outsider, unclean, outcast. And Zacchaeus, uh, we're not sure how long he had Jesus over. Uh, The Greek seems to indicate when uh, Jesus came over, perhaps it was a meal and also overnight. I remember that if you remember kind of pictures of the Lord's Supper and the custom at the time that when people would eat, they wouldn't sit in a chair with four legs, they would lay down on their side. And we see in verse eight here, Zacchaeus standing up. Well, wasn't he already on his feet? Perhaps he's saying this as Jesus is eating with him at the table. He stands up and he says, behold, Lord, I'm gonna give back half my goods to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay it back four times over. Note the sequence here. Jesus doesn't say, well, Zacchaeus, clean up your life and get your house in order and then I'll come over. Jesus says, I'm coming over. And in your sin, I don't care how messy you are. And I don't care if 
You've thrown everything into the back bedroom, into a dark corner of your heart, and tried to close the door away from me. I'm coming to make my home with you. Jesus goes first. This is unlike a Christmas carol where Scrooge, you know, is faced with, with his own selfishness and his impending death. It's the reality of his sin, you might call it, though Dickens didn't use that word. It's the reality of his sin that moves him and melts him, and he turns from a greedy person into a generous person. Here, it's the grace of Jesus that moves and melts the heart of Zacchaeus. Jesus goes first. which is what he's already done for you. That's what Paul says in Romans 5, where he says, at the right time, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, someone might die for a good man, a righteous man, but God shows his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died died for us. Do you see the sequence here? This is not just the story of Zacchaeus. This is your story and my story that God, by his grace, has written us into. Let's keep reading. I love the way this text lands. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. You see the reversal. You know, Zacchaeus wakes up one morning, he hears Jesus coming to town, he climbs a tree seeking Jesus. But instead, Jesus turns to him and he says, you think you've been seeking me, Zacchaeus, you have no idea that I've been seeking you. And to do that, I've come to break the spell to climb the tree for you. You see how far I've gone. You see how much I've given. That on the cross for you, I became an outsider, an outcast, unclean, filled with the wretchedness of your sin. Do you see how much I've given? Not simply half of what I had. I gave my whole life for you to make you mine forever so that we can have a happily ever after. So if you let go of your longing for the things beyond your grasp, it'll be the best decision you've ever made in your life. And when you do, Jesus says, when you let go, I'll catch you and I'll never let you go. longing of Zacchaeus and the love of Jesus. I said at the beginning, we've got to slow down and see how we experience both of these things. I mean, for many of us, the longer we follow Jesus, the longer we're Christians, 
the easier it is for the love of Jesus to become a concept. Something that we understand in our head, but may or may not experience in our hearts. And if we simply believe it in our head, that's enough, scriptures tell us. But how can it move from our head to our heart, from audio to video? Here's where we're going to close over the next few minutes. I don't have a big finish to this ser- sermon. There's no ending or funny, cute, touching story. It's an invitation. You know, Zacchaeus could have tapped someone on the shoulder and asked the person in front of him what they saw and experienced it through their eyes. But instead, <clears throat> Zacchaeus chose to see for himself. He chose this grown rich man to climb a tree. And I would say, my friends, you've got to see for yourself. Because there is a tree for you to climb to. You can read devotions and portals of prayer, and those are good, and you can listen to sermons, and you can listen to Christian music. Those are all good things. But if that's your only diet, you're living off of someone else's leftovers at some point. You've got to climb a tree and see for yourself. Here's the way Martin Luther spoke about that when he said this. People think, if I could hear God speaking in his own person, I would run so fast to hear him that my feet would bleed. But now you have the word of God in church, in books, in your home, and this is certainly God's word as if God himself were speaking. You've got to climb a tree and see for yourself. You've gathered in worship. You've sat with the crowd. Let's grow in faith. You heard me say when worship began that tomorrow morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. Maybe you read part of the Old Testament with us when we kicked that off over a year ago. Maybe you stopped. Maybe you're still with us. Whether you have ever read the New Testament from front to back at all or not. You can join us, go to our website, you can pick up a hard copy of a reading plan that looks just like this off the round table with a white tablecloth out in the lobby. A couple chapters a day will be done by September. You can read along with us and see for yourself. Join us. Join him, the one who has made his home with you forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.